2: It's the Tour Report from Secret Golf and this week, well, we're going to be doing our show for the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial Country Club. But first, we have to look back on a week that we are really never going to forget. We saw scenes on the ocean course at Kiawai Island that, oh my gosh, I don't think we've ever seen before. Very reminiscent of Tiger winning the Tour Championship a couple of years ago. But elk, Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship for the second time, his sixth The career major. Who would have thought?
0: Yesterday and Saturday, Diane, was so much drama packed into it. And why was that? And I think it's the course. I think it's that COVID's over and there was so much excitement in the crowd. Everybody we saw on 18, you know, thousands of people all together for the first time in seems like years. The prodigal son, Phil Mickelson, the, the man of the people, was literally shot by shot, we're all thinking, could he let it go? And, you know, I I listened to Jack Nicholas congratulate Phil this morning. He said, you did what you were supposed to do. And I always say to you, and I say to everyone on this show, WWJD, what would Jack do? And you know what? Phil Mickelson did about everything that Jack would have done. Very strategic, played the shots very carefully, hit the shots he had to, and basically wore down the guy that everyone thought was gonna mow him over, Brooks Kepka
2: from a fan point of view and from for anyone who loves golf going to bed on saturday night knowing that you had the final round of the second major of the year on an amazing golf course stunning to look at but it was a brute you had phil and kepka in the final group i mean it was like the stuff that dreams are made of and then when the guys got underway it was blow by blow advantage phil advantage kepka advantage phil It really was a roller coaster ride after three holes. So the key to Phil's victory, as you're saying, you know, Jack had praised him for that, is he didn't do anything stupid. He played his game. And even though mistakes were made, you know, bogey on 17. But by that point, he has a two-shot lead standing on the tee on 18. And it was his.
0: Well, this is easy for me to sit here and say it now, but Phil was very focused. We saw him take a lot more time than we ever have I think he was trying to decide and commit to exactly the shot that he needed. And, you know, it became apparent to me and I'm watching it with my family that when he did miss a shot or he got himself in a little bit of trouble, he is so good with the bunker game, so good at pitching the ball. It was almost like I I think I turned to Sam during the telecast and I said, I don't think I think Phil can make a mistake or two and he can still win this tournament because he's so good around the greens. We saw him hole a bunker shot on the par three on the front nine. Um, we saw him pitch the ball, you know, up and down at 16 to kind of seal the deal, three shots with two holes to go. Such such a cliche that he did everything he was supposed to. Well, of course he did. But Diane, I know um, personally that there was so much pressure on Phil coming down the stretch. Even though he had the crowd with him, he had the lead, he had the advantage, but there was just so much pressure. And it was awesome to see him just kind of do it at 50.
2: Yeah, and it's just exceptional timing knowing that the US Open kicks off in three weeks. It's the one major he hasn't won to complete the Grand Slam. He had an, an invite to go and play. He doesn't need that now, of course, because he has this five-year exemption. And there's going to be so much hype around the fact that he can take that major form into the US Open at Tory Pines. However, we are going to see him back in action this week in the Charles Swap. I cannot say it Charles Schwab so we're gonna talk about him again on the show today but I want to go back to one thing that you said on the tour report last week and for a major, the cream always rises to the top. And you look at the five guys at the top of the leaderboard, Podrick Harrington, Shane Lowry, Brooks Kepka, Louis Oosthuizen, and then Phil Mickelson. These are all guys who have won major championships before. And it's just amazing how the pressure of being on that stage really affects some guys and really drives some to play their best golf.
0: Yeah, and we talked a little bit. I talked a little bit on the show last week. What kind of player was going to do well last week at Kiowa? And I thought... And I felt like, and it proved to be right, that they had these longer swings that had a lot of rhythm to it. Even though Phil Mickelson's 50 years old, he probably has one of the longest swings out there. We see him take the club almost past parallel. And that helps a lot when you play in crosswind holes. Louis Ushausen probably has one of the purest swings of all. Uh, Brooks Kepka yes, he has a fast tempo. And he did struggle on holes into the wind yesterday. And that's what costed, cost him don't know how much he was affected by his knee i think he was affected more by where the club face was but that was me but uh, kepka kepka sort of plays a certain way he likes to kind of smash the golf course and and really attack it and you know that as a competitor playing with someone like kepka that how do you beat a guy like that if he gets going and and it turned out that kepka lost this tournament on about three holes where he had these two shot swings, where he hit a couple of loose shots, got himself out of position. And at the end of the day, Diane, he was just he got he got snookered. Behind some of these bunkers, in the you know, in the rough, he made a, a lousy swing at the par five on the front. Bad shot, the second shot at ten. And it cost him four strokes in two holes. And at the end of the day, it was too much.
2: And and putting seemed to be his nemesis over the weekend, especially ten foot and in. It was just this horrible distance for him. And yeah, it was close and it was a great we had said you know it'd be a great story if he did come on and contend and won after the surgery and the injuries and the rehab but I mean it's so encouraging to see him doing what he was doing over the course of the four days
0: yeah and he'll be back you know he um, he's an interesting case study on tour you know a lot of guys don't play good in the majors that should and Kepka doesn't play good on the regular season and plays good in the majors I prefer his model more than anyone's um honestly and he said why and and it wasn't his thinking jack nicholas used to say well in a major there was only about 10 guys i had to beat and kepker i think said five so uh that's the way he thinks and he, and he backs it up with his play so yesterday wasn't quite his day but uh it was mickelson's in indeed and it was uh, glorious at the end
2: it's one that we're definitely not going to forget anyway. And, uh... and by
0: the way, Phil Mickelson's first PGA one, he beat me at Baltusrol <laughs> on a Monday finish. So that kind of stung a little bit too. Diane.
2: Although I did see you on TV yesterday. They they showed a highlight package and we were like, yeah, there's elk. (laughs) So an incredible PGA Championship. The course was spectacular. I mean, it was a beast, but we knew that going into the week, it offered up all the drama and it was the most hooked I have been to a golf tournament in a really long time.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot on our shows about Pete Dye, where we've been around you know, the players championship, the New Orleans tournament. And didn't it seem like yesterday that the design was a very much part of this tournament and the way that he had designed this course, you don't think of it too much in other events. When you think of the masters, for example, you don't think of these advantageous parts of the course because of the weather and the design. And it was very interesting to watch these guys try to work their way through the wind and then try to catch a break when they turned the corner and came back the other way. And, and it was, it was really nice mix of talented players playing against the elements on a, on a pre-designed course to do exactly that, to really test them.
2: Well, this week we're onto a very classically designed course in Colonial Country Club for the Charles Schwab Challenge. And well, we're gonna handicap the field and tell you everything there is to know about this course because Elk, you know this course inside out.
0: Diane, I think I've played this tournament maybe 25 times. Twice I played it as an amateur when I was in college. Uh, yes, this course I know very well. It's a very much of a ball control course. We just got through talking about Kiowa, the longest course on tour, won by a 50-year-old. We didn't talk about Patrick Harrington, another 50-year-old, to finished third. So does driving distance really matter on the, on the tour or is it just all about being solid? Well, this week, It is going to be about all being solid. There's a lot of dog legs at Colonial, very narrow course. This was Hogan's Alley. This was one of his famous courses. I think he won five Colonials. And there's a certain style of player that does very well at this tournament, Diane, and it's all about being in play.
2: Well, this tournament was the first one back after the COVID break in 2020, and it was won by Daniel Berger. Last year, because it was the first tournament back, the field was the best it had ever been. And this year, it's really the same. I mean, it's probably the second best field that they've ever had at this tournament. And um, we're going to go through the course. It's a very classically designed course, narrow fairways. It's 7,209 yards, a par 70. But what are some of the, the trademarks that really stand out around here?
0: Dog legs and big trees, a lot of pecan trees and oak trees that sort of uh, cover the landing areas. So you've got to be able to shape your shots. You know, this is a, this is the location of the horseshoe the the, the hardest three holes in, in golf number three four and five they they go right around the driving range I did the drawings already for you this week Diane three you have to control your ball right to left and play up into a into a narrow neck of trees four is a 250 yard par three and then five is probably the hardest hole on the PGA tour right along the Trinity River you have to curve the ball from left to right. I'm not saying preferred left to right. No, you have to move it from left to right or you're not going to be able to play that hole. So the guys that are medium range strikers, they seem to do really well around this course. You talked to Berger last year, very good striker. We talked about Morikawa, who said last week on the telecast, Diane, that he has a little scar tissue because he missed a three-footer at Colonial last year to stay in the playoff. So I'm sure he'll be in our roundup this week as well.
2: That's the interesting thing about this course because number one's a par five and the second hole's a par four. They're two really easy holes to get started, but then you're bang right into the horrible horseshoe three, four, and five. Is this one of those courses, I mean, you don't usually see a stretch of holes like that on the front nine. You know, Thursday, Friday, when they're off split tees, is it more of an advantage teeing off 10 and having them at the end or getting them out of the way?
0: It's a good question. Um, if you got to the six tee every day, if you were taking off the front nine to the six tee every day, even par, you would feel like you were in good shape because you have to play three, four, and five. Um, you have to play all these holes, and three, four, and five are the holes that can really ruin a round—a scorecard ruiner. The the front nine scoring average is a very important stat that we've used very, very much so this week in establishing who's going to do well on this on this week. Um, but there's only two par fives, as you said, one and 11, but all the players should be able to reach. They've had a bit of rain. We've had a lot of rain in Texas. I'm interested to go up there today and have a look at the golf course tomorrow, see how wet it is. But at the end of the day, Diane, you've got to hit the ball straight off the tee here. You don't have to have driver. I don't even know if Tiger Woods played this tournament. I think he said somewhere that he didn't want to play a tournament where he didn't have to hit driver. I think it might have been a little too narrow for him, but yeah. Who
2: knows? Well, here's another thing, because, I mean, there's always a slight advantage with distance on the tour. But this is one of those courses where distance is mitigated almost. However, and this is something I want to put to you, and you're going to be out of the course, so you'll know this. You'll be able to tell us. But last year, no fans, no grandstands. It was almost like the guys were cutting corners, they were able to kind of like take different strategic directions than they normally would. Is it going to be different this year with the course set up, having fans and grandstands and everything else that goes with it?
0: So when they came back last year, Diane, with no fans, it was almost like playing high school golf. You know, you're out there with no fans at all. Uh, Now, with all the fans back, Colonial, you don't cut corners, really, at Colonial. There's a few, but you get tangled up in the rough. And I know it's been wet in Texas. We've had a tremendous amount of rain. So that tells me there will be some rough. And, you know, controlling your ball out of the rough is, in Texas, with Bermuda Rough, is the hardest thing that possibly can happen. And that's why this course is famous, because you can't really do much out of the rough here. You can move it, but you can't control it. And that's the big big difference.
2: And the greens here are small, aren't they? They're below average size on the PGA Tour.
0: And this course does give up good scores because these guys, are, let's face it, they hit it great. Um, uh, you know, with wet conditions or firm, con- firm conditions, it plays a lot different. We've had some rain, as I said, the greens will be quite soft, but uh, it's still all about hitting fairways at Colonial. And it gets windy at this course, and it's on a small, undulating side hill piece of property right on the Trinity River, so. It's just a wonderful place to play a game of golf. The crowd is totally embraced on the last hole. The 18th hole comes right by the clubhouse. All the people are aggregated right there around the 18th green and it's one of the great settings of all time for the Tour.
2: Get in the game on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app and play four ball. It's a classic stroke play competition based on the aggregate scores of four players. Who makes your team? Well, pick four guys, one from each tier based on the current World Golf Rankings. Want a tip? You need four guys to make the cut. Get in the game on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app available on iOS in the App Store it's the charles schwab challenge at colonial in texas this week on the pga tour and we are here with our tour report elk ryan palmer is one of our secret golf contributors and this is his home course actually we did loads of instructional content with ryan and this is where it was all filmed
0: yeah ryan palmer's been a longtime member at colonial country club his caddy is was the club champion so Do they have an advantage? Of course they do. And Ryan Palmer's had a good enough year that he is, I'm going to tell you now, he's going to be featured in our top 10 because this course takes a fair amount of local knowledge, Diane.
2: So we are going to give you our top 10, we've re-ranked the field. Um, Just looking back at some of the past champions here, Daniel Berger won last year, 15 under par. Before that, Kevin Na, Justin Rose, Kevin Kisner, Jordan Spieth, Chris Kirk won in 2015. He's found a resurgence in his form of late. But um, always good to look back on the past champions and Daniel Berger is an interesting one because he is defending. There was so much hype around Berger heading into the PGA championship I mean he made the cut but there wasn't really anything spectacular from him.
0: he's becoming a hard guy to bet on Diane because he's very inconsistent he's hot or cold he's not consistent uh, Berger is a great striker of the ball this will he'll be a little bit feeling you know he had a decent week last week at the PGA coming back to defend the tournament this does suit him of course because you know he is such a good iron player and he knows how to play this course and that's very important.
2: Well, we mentioned him there because he does not feature in our top 10 this week. But the guy at the top is definitely one of the young guns on the PGA Tour. And he was defending last week at the PGA Championship after winning at Harding Park in 2020. Our number one this week is Colin Morikawa.
0: Well, Morikawa lost in the playoff here last year. And, you know, he spoke last week at the PGA about any kind of someone asked him about scar tissue. And they said he didn't have any. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. I do have some scar tissue. I missed a three foot putt at Colonial in the playoff. But when you think about Colin Morikawa's game, Diane, you think about a straight hitter, a guy that's very much a ball control. Everything's organized with Morikawa. And, you know, he's he won the workday. He's gotten over a kind of a ugly putting stretch. And it seems like that has settled down. He had a decent week at the PGA. Honestly, Diane, I think they're all super motivated about Phil Mickelson and they've, I think they got kind of spanked a little bit by this 50-year-old guy coming out on tour and just showing these guys how to play in a major and how to balls up and actually do it and I think there's going to be some guys that are going to be fired up this week and he's going to be one of them
2: yeah I agree with you and I mean we could run through his numbers but really what's the point great finishes there is one high number and that's his scrambling stat he's 190th on the PGA Tour and we know that it's something that he has been working on. I remember for the WGC Workday, he had taken advice from Paul Azinger. And so we know that it's something that he's definitely been putting work in. So that number is probably not an accurate representation of where he is right now.
0: Well, Morikawa doesn't miss many greens. So if he misses two greens and he doesn't get them up and down, then he's batting zero. So if he misses two greens and doesn't get them up and down, he's batting zero. So I don't know if he really is 190th, I don't know.
2: Coming in at number two is his, this next guy, his final day scoring has to be better than anyone else's on the PGA Tour. Abraham Answer pulls it out of the bag on a Sunday. We saw it at the Valspar Championship just a few weeks ago. He finished fifth, finished second at the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow. Again, that was a phenomenal Sunday. And the same thing happened at the PGA Championship. He ended up finishing eighth, but just shot up that leaderboard on Sunday. So Abraham Anser with that hot form is our number two.
0: Well, he certainly has good form, as we can tell by everything he's been doing lately. But this is also a course that suits him very much so. Who's going to win first between Anser, Finnau or Wills Alatoris? And they're all kind of featured today. And we're going to talk about each one of them. But Abraham Anser, he has a little bit of a sort of a reputation for coming in there at the end. And shooting a low, hot day. We saw yesterday Phil Mickelson stood in the absolute burning flames and took on the pressure for every single shot. Answer played stress free yesterday and ran up the board. And that's not the reason we've got him at the top of our board almost. The reason we have is he's just that good, and this is a really nice fit for him. This young man will win on the tour. This is a windy, bowling alley-type situation, Colonial, and this is a very nice fit, and he deserves to be right here.
2: We talk about the narrow fairways. He's second on the whole PGA Tour in driving accuracy. He's always been known for his greens and regulation stat, and even scrambling, he's tenth all round. Answer is just a premium ball striker, and it's hard to believe that he doesn't have a win on the tour yet.
0: I was thinking before the show, Diane. Who does Answer remind me of going to the Colonial? And he reminds me of another guy that, that played in my era named Lenny Watkins. Now, he wasn't as mean and fiery as Lanny Watkins, but Lanny Watkins won here on this course easily because he hit it so straight, hit the ball low, kept it out of the wind, and he was able to hit these greens when they're perched up with the crosswinds and all that. And, you know, answers that kind of player. mm mm-hmm.
2: Okay, then. Well, coming in at number three is Will Zalatoris. I cannot get enough of Will Zalatoris right now. What's amazing to me is that he has, and we've talked about this before, so his membership on the PGA Tour right now is a a special membership, and he has that for the rest of the season. He just finished eighth in the PGA Championship. He's had a top 10 at the US Open. This guy's had two top 10s in majors already, and Next season's going to be this first season as a fully-fledged member of the PGA Tour. It's amazing to watch. He's getting better week after week and putting together a final round of two under at the PGA to get that top 10. It's just so impressive from such a young guy.
0: And he got engaged recently and he's coming back to where he's from. He's from Dallas, went to high school here, good friends with Jordan Spieth, and... I think as soon as he gets that putting, he's a good putter. Obviously, his finishes in the majors have proven that. But when he gets that putter matched up with as good as his iron game, as good as his driving, then he will be a force to jour on the tour, Diane. But he almost already is. Everybody knows it. And will this be the week that he busts out and comes home to Texas and plays a very familiar golf course on very familiar turf and just run him down?
2: So you just said a minute ago, who's going to win first between Answer Zalatoris and Fino. Who's your pick? Who's your answer? Who's your answer?
0: <laughs> My answer. You yeah. just said it. <laughs> <laughs> Zalatoris is the most gifted player I've seen come along in, in quite some time as far as Tita Green. Very high hitter, played with Jordan Speed the first two rounds. I'm not exactly even sure how Will Zalatoris got in that group with major champions at the PGA normally that's reserved for winners and past major winners however he handled himself unreal he out you know he drives the ball unreal and I just I just like everything about Will
2: Okay so he is our number 3 pick this week by the way he's my pick if between the three of them who's going to get the win first I'm going for Will coming in at number four someone we've been big on for such a long time we were really big on him for the PGA last week and he was leading after the opening round it was all pointing in the right direction for Corey Connors fell away a little bit ended up finishing in a tie for 17th but we've got him at number four this week
0: Connors I was so big on last week and the first round at the PGA was hitting these long irons and the crosswinds and just hitting it stiff and led the PGA had a good week. Anytime you finish top 20 in a major, that's great. Uh, Connors is on a, you know, a collision course with a couple of trophies and I'm going to keep putting him up there on these courses that are narrow and where ball striking is a premium. And this is one of them. And I'm putting him right where he is Diane, because he is going to hold a trophy this year and this could well be it.
2: Okay then. So coming in at number five in our top 10 this week is a guy, you talk about Will Zalatoris. this guy actually reminds me of him only because they're both so tall and lanky and the way that they play with their irons is just, it's actually a a joy to watch. This guy had a great Saturday at the PGA Championship, one under, but um, around a four under to get things finished off and he ended up in a tie for 30th but we've got Wacky Neiman at number five this week.
0: Are you starting to see a trend of the top five so far? They're <laughs> almost all the same player. And Neiman's from Chile, and he grew up on a narrow little hilly course. And when you're from Chile, you have to be able to control your ball. He hits it low. He, he just, he's got everything you need for this golf course. And uh, I'm gonna watch him hit some balls this week because I've always been fascinated with guys that hit the ball low with a lot of, with a lot of spin. And that's like Trevino did, Lanny Watkins and that's when you can really control it. So, yeah, Neiman is, is no, no surprise right here.
2: Yep. So Neiman is 40 to one. Uh, Connors is 28 to one. Zala Torres 25 to one. Answers is 18 to one. And our number one, Colin Morikawa is 14 to one. So Elk, we're running through our top 10 and we're on to number six. We mentioned him at the start of the show. He's one of the Secret Golf contributors. This is his home course. Ryan Palmer is our number six.
0: Ryan Palmer is obviously with us, and that's cool, but he's from Texas, and this is his course. Now, what does that mean? Well, it probably means at least one stroke advantage per nine, so over 72 holes, that's eight. Now, eight strokes advantage for me doesn't mean much because I performed terribly when I played in my hometown. I had too many people around, and everything drove me crazy, but Ryan Palmer always plays good at Colonial, and I think this trend's going to happen again. He saw an old guy win yesterday. He's not even... 45-ish. Ryan Palmer having one of the best years of his career currently. But yes, it's all things about being familiar. He's got his caddy on the bag as the club champion, Diane. Played at the University of Houston where I went to school and my son Sam did. So everything is perfect for Ryan Palmer for a steal this week.
2: Um, I remember we talked to him last year because it was the first tournament after the COVID break. And we... Caught up with him over Zoom because he was so excited that it was colonial, and he ended up missing the cut. I mean, he did not play well at all, and you know it's that thing where there's got to be so much expectation, and you put so much pressure on yourself to go out and play well at your home track. But I think Ryan Palmer. I mean, that was such a weird time for everyone coming back, and he's uh, he's even a different player now compared to what when he what he was then.
0: He's having a great season. Um... He's a mature player, older, you know, older for this young group. So I just, I just, I put money down on people that it's their home course. I just, it's such an advantage. Like I think of it, my own, own home course, people come here from all over the place to play here. And they've just got no chance compared to what I know about this course. And I'm banking on that this week.
2: Okay. So Ryan Palmer is 75 to one. The next guy, eighteen to one, and we well, he had a good finish. Actually, ended up finishing eighth at the PGA Championship last week. Really made a move over the weekend. But Tony Finau, could this be the week (laughs) that Finau gets it done?
0: Well, where do you start with Finau? You know, he. We all know that he's had a little bit of a dodgy putter. I think Phil Mickelson has changed the thinking on a lot of players. And I think Finnow will sit if he's smart and think about what happened yesterday and how Phil Mickelson meticulously picked apart that course. And what did it take him to do to win yesterday? We saw it on TV. Now, Finnow does not never seem to have any problems physically getting from tee to green. It's just maybe over the hump of the thinking about what he's got to do to win. So he deserves this ranking spot, Diane, and it's maybe it's a lot of pressure, but I don't know. Maybe there's a way to let a, let a little of that pressure out with what he saw yesterday.
2: I think the thing for him, um, we know the issues that he's had on the greens, but his accuracy stat is not good either. And um, We've already talked about the fact that narrow fairways this week, but... We saw great play from him last week and that seems to be something that, you know, we know that he's got the distance. He's always had the distance. He just needs to link it up to the accuracy a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and I I, um, I, just think, I've been on tour for 30 years and I. sometimes someone wins on tour, whether it was John Daly when he burst on the scene or Tiger Woods in 97 when he burst on the scene. It tweaks everybody's thinking about what, what's capable and what should they be focused on. And to me, clearly yesterday, Phil Mickelson, nobody's trying to copy Phil's swing today. Nobody's trying to do anything about him physically. They're all trying to tap into what was he thinking and how was he able to keep calm and how was he able to strategize himself around this golf course? And when he did get in trouble, he didn't freak out. He, he just played his game and he was able to just get it done and, and he, I can't express to you how much pressure that Mickelson took on. We all felt it on TV. Even Nick Faldo said, I'm nervous for him. We all felt it, but he was able to perform, and that's admirable. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay, very well put. So Finau is 18 to 1, and we have him at number 7. We were saying this at the start of the show. There's so many guys that finished in the top 10 that you didn't really, you kind of didn't really know what they were doing because the coverage didn't show them fina was one of them you know I, I was a little bit surprised to see that he finished top 10 and scotty scheffler is another he finished alongside tony Finau in a tie for eighth we know how well scheffler has been playing he's back in texas this week so again it could be the magic formula all coming together for scotty scheffler
0: yeah, and of course, you know this better than anyone because we do it together. But when you start to think about handicapping, you have to take in consideration where these guys are from and where, where do they play well? What kind of turf do they play well on? You just noted that Finau and Scheffler both finished in the top of 10, and I didn't know either. And yeah. CBS was very focused on the top of the leaderboard uh, last week, Diane, and rightly so. However... These two guys coming off a top 10 in a major, I know what that feels like. I know how confident I would be about how well I've hit the ball at a very hard golf course last week, that is at Kiwa, And how will that overlay when I come to this one? These guys are already exempt into the US Open. They won't be going through a 36 hole qualifying like a lot of other players in this field and being totally tired when the tournament starts this week from a 36 hole Monday, a Tuesday practice, and a Pro-Am Wednesday, think about that schedule before they start Thursday. So these two guys, Scheffler, that is, and Finnau, they'll be feeling very confident. they'll be looking to birdie the first hole. Easy par five, it'll feel like nothing compared to Kiowa. Okay.
2: So we have Scotty at 25 to 1 in at number 8. At number 9, it's Joel Damon. I, I mean, we love Joel Damon. He's such a character on the PGA Tour. It'd be very hard not to love him. He got his debut win in Punta Cana earlier this year. It was very windy in Punta Cana. You know, we saw the wind last week at Kiowa. You know, he made the cut, ended up finishing kind of down the leaderboard. But with a little bit of wind expected in Texas, Joel Damon deserves his place in that top 10.
0: We've watched Joel Damon, since he won a month ago or so, totally reinvent himself. He was sort of this self-deprecating golfer guy, and now he's associating himself with Phil Mickelson. They played together at the, uh, the Wells Fargo. Uh, he's elevated his own thinking about himself, and I'm watching him evolve in my in front of my very eyes, Diane. He shot four under on the front nine at Kiowa on Saturday. Didn't finish out the tournament, uh, exactly the way as things is planned but he is in my mind turning into a new style player he knows where he sits on the tour he sees himself as a winner and he is starting to literally pump himself up every week to be a better player
2: Mm -hmm. he's very good on the greens as well so Joel Damon at number 9 80 to 1 this week and then completing our top 10 is well The guy that's going to be number one on a lot of people's radars this week. We have him in the top 10 because he has to be in the top 10. But Jordan Spieth, why have we got him far down instead of being up near the top of our re-ranking this week?
0: Well, as you know, if you watch this report, you would have known that I had Jordan Spieth very high last week on our board. I think he was number two because of his chipping. And you think about... Phil Mickelson yesterday, how well he was able to control the his game around the greens. I mean, Phil is not a good a putter as Jordan Spieth, but he did it for the week last week. Jordan's just as good a pitcher of the ball. So, but last week, Jordan putted terrible. We saw him miss a couple of two footers. Was that concentration? Was it out of focus? What was it? And that's why we've got him on the slide just a little bit, Diane. But going back to Texas, always going to give Superman a little kryptonite here. He knows how to play this course. He's won the Colonial before. This is a very nice setup for Jordan, even though he's a little erratic off the tee. He's a little erratic with his talking, with his caddy. He's getting a little bit. (laughs) I think he's getting worse. And he's just judging everything. And I'm watching all this and I'm saying just simplified get back to texas get on a course where you know what to do you don't have to ask your caddy anything Never
2: i am um, i was following along on a twitter well especially on thursday and friday and jordan talks more and more he's always been known for having conversations with michael on the course but he is talking more and more Is that, is he overcomplicating it? Is that a sign that he's so in his head that he almost has to verbalize it and get it out?
0: Well, we always we always say on tour, the best thing to do is be like Mr. Aerosol, little squirts of squirt, get whatever's in there, get it out. If you want to totally berate your caddy, get it out and then move on to the next hole. Don't hold it in, whatever you do. I don't know if that's what Jordan's doing or not, but I know this about Jordan. Uh, He is an incredible competitor. The only thing that holds him back is his physicality, whether he's swinging bad. Look, he doesn't have a great grip. That pinky finger hangs out and his arms up and he's got a chicken wing on this side. And he's got all this stuff going on. But he has fought his way out of this mess that he had himself in. Won in Texas this year. Had a good Masters. Played decent last week. You know, he's got a show, Diane. This is he's got a shot this week. It's just a matter of how much he can, fat he can trim off this fatty piece of meat that he's working with and called his his game.
2: Well, he won here in 2016 at 17 under pars. So a very familiar track for Jordan back in Texas. He is by far the bookies favourite this week at 9 to 1 and we have him at number 10. So our full top 10 for the Charles Schwab Challenge, Colin Morikawa, Abraham Answer, Will Zalatoris, Cody Connors, Joaquin Neiman, Ryan Palmer, Tony Finau, Scotty Scheffler, Joel Damon and Jordan Spieth still to come well we're going to go through our sizzlers guys that really make some big jumps up in our re-ranking this week and we have great odds for these guys there's also two big names in the field that we haven't mentioned so we're going to talk about them next on the tour report play money grabber on the sg tour instead of strokes it's all about the cash you pick a team of four players, one from each tier, and scoring is based on the money that your team wins. Your guys missed the cut? No problem, you're still in the game. The SG Tour Golf Gaming App, available on iOS in the App Store. It's the tour report from Secret Golf. Thank you for watching our handicapping show this week for the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial. So, Elk, we've gone through our top 10, and there's two stars of the show who we haven't mentioned yet and well the first one is number two in the world coming off a missed cut last week at Kiowa Island I watched his birdie attempt on 18 to make the cut and the ball missed by a quarter of an inch but Justin Thomas what did you see in JT last week and over the the last couple of weeks really to not put him in our top 10?
0: Well, you did mention that putt he had on 18, but that was a putt to get to five over a score that we did not think that Justin Thomas would be on. Yes, Diane, he's a little bit off the boil. He drove it poorly last week, like 30% of the fairways. We know from watching the golf yesterday that if we just overlaid 30% in our mind playing at Kiwa, if you and I went and played and we hit 30%, we would have a terrible week also. But he's been off a little bit, Diane, for about a month now. You think he finished last in putting at Innisbrook. He putted poorly at Wells Fargo. He had a good last day of putting. Uh, Missed the cut last week. And where is JT in his game? We know he's a hard worker. We know he's right there with his father working. We talked about Dustin Johnson being off the boil. We talked about Bryson DeGembeau last week being off the boil. We sort of predicted that. And we watch these trends... Justin Thomas's best club in the bag is the driver. He doesn't necessarily need it this week, but I've got him out of the top 10 or we have him out of the top 10 this week, Diane, just because everything just doesn't feel right here.
2: Remember a couple of years ago he was injured and he had to take a few weeks off. He couldn't, Full swing so he worked really hard on his putting and he said he became obsessive with his putting so much so that it started to go the opposite way and when he came back out the putter was letting him down he said he almost had to go back and like simplify it a little bit more with that being like the red mark on his scorecard right now do you think that he's in that kind of like obsessive phase of working on it and and trying to get it perfect?
0: Well, one of the things that's interesting about the young players is that we didn't have on tour is they have all this technology they can look at. They know, for example, if Justin Thomas comes in from golf and says, Dad, I missed 10 putts to the right. They can get on, you know, Sam's putt lab and see that the face is open one or two degrees and they can they can get that information they need straight away. And it's always a degree or two with someone like Justin Thomas. And they have to get on a physical fix that fixes that. And then they have to fix it. And then they have to get some feel into that. And then they have to see a result so they can multiply and duplicate it. That's how it goes on tour. Once you make a change, you have to prove it to yourself under pressure. And then you can duplicate it. It's like a Xerox machine. Justin Thomas may be in the realm of repairing a few things, but he hasn't seen it yet. And that's why I'm fading him this week.
2: He was very vocal on social media about how inspired he was by Phil at the PGA. So maybe that'll give him a little kick up the butt. Um, But talking of Phil, he's another one. He's in the field this week. He committed to Charles Schwab himself and said he was going to play. So he's honouring that commitment, flying home from Kiowa for a few days to see his family and then back to Colonial. But what do you think about Phil's chances of going out there and uh, winning two weeks in a row?
0: I think if Phil Mickelson won the Colonial, it would be a downfall compared to what he did last week, Diane. And if he could muster the same amount of energy that he spent last week, then I'm going to go on his coffee diet. I'm going to go on his weightlifting regime. I'm going to do everything because I don't think it's possible physically. Mentally, he'll be confident. He'll be swinging free. He'll be having fun. It's going to be a wonderful week to see what he is talking about this week because there's all things that he's going to be talking about. But no, I do not expect Phil Mickelson to win this next week at Colonial.
2: Okay. Well, he's 60 to one, so I don't think you're alone. right we're gonna move on to our sizzlers we've got three guys really great value i mean we're talking good odds this week and they really make big jumps up in our re-ranking the first one is one of our secret golf contributors we know his game really well not only that but we track him week after week he's 100 to 1 but everything's looking pretty good for Patton Kazire
0: well, Patton's been on our show quite a bit for different reasons. He's one of these guys that when he gets going, he putts so good, he putts as good as Ben Crenshaw did. And interestingly enough, Diane, he's had two fabulous final rounds in Texas this year. He shot 64, I think, in San Antonio, and he shot 63 two weeks ago at the Byron Nelson. He will be sitting at home absolutely kicking himself that he didn't play well enough to be in the PGA and he will be ready when he comes here to this tournament this week. And Patton Kaziah is one of these guys that when he gets the putting as good as I know he is, and that's what brings on these 63s and 64s, then he'll be just ready to go.
2: Yeah. And um, as you say, his, his putter is hot. He's eighth on tour for putting average and finished third at the Byron Nelson just a few weeks ago with Patton I always feel like he gets on these streaks where he plays well and he's on that streak right now we know that a couple of years ago we spoke to Patton and he was just all over the place and he said that he actually watched old secret golf videos of Jackie Burke and that really helped him a lot and he immediately saw this kind of uprise in his performance he's been a little bit up and down but he's definitely on this kind of good even keel right now
0: He's at a very good spot in the FedEx Cup. Uh, he's got his ticket for next year. And a lot of the mindset for, I'm going to call Patton the sort of a mid-range player, top 60 player. How does, it, how does a top 60 player get in to be a top 30? That, that, that has to be where his focus is. So it actually helps him at this point streamline it. A lot of this handicapping that we do, Diane, has to do with the balancing act of where are they in their lives? where are they in their tour life? What's going on in their life? Where's their swing? Where's Justin Thomas? Where's Jordan Speef? Where's Patton Kaziah? Those three guys I mean if they went out today you'd almost bet on Patton for a one day you know a one day run. So I've got him on the sizzle this week, Diane.
2: Okay, well, our next sizzler is someone that you're really hot on this week. He's 140 to 1. I've been big on this guy a lot on our shows. I've had him as a dark horse a couple of times. Uh, One time, he did very well for me. But Matthew Neesmith, he's got two top tens this year already, and his numbers are pretty good. Why are you big on Neesmith this week?
0: Neesmith. Is a friend of a bunch of people that I know, and they know this kid, and they've been telling me about him for quite a while now. The interesting stat that you speak of there, Diane, is number four in greens and he- greens and regulation on the tour. So, what does number four mean when you bring that to Colonial? That means that you're going to be almost one of the favorites, and we're looking at him sitting. What are these odds on young Mister Neesmith this week?
2: One forty to one.
0: Well, there you go. You've probably got the the best striker of the ball, one of them, of a guy that you haven't heard of before. We're always looking for that guy, that Will Zalatoris, uh, you know, Abraham answered before they were those guys.
2: And um his finishes, he finished seventh at the waste management, he finished eighth at the Shriners in Vegas. Those tournaments were a little while ago and the form's been a little bit up and down. And uh, the thing about Neesmith, similar to Patton, would have been kicking himself that he wasn't in the field at Kiowa Island last week because he's from and lives in South Carolina.
0: Yeah, and Nesbitt, everything that I hear, Diane, is he's a, he was a $1 or $2 stock when he came on the Nationwide or the Corn Ferry. Now he Then he was a $10 stock when he got to the tour. Now he's a $25 stock, Diane. The word is that he's got room to grow to be a $100 stock. So that's why he's on the sizzle list this week at the Colonial.
2: Right, he's our second sizzler. And our third, well, you talk about Phil Mickelson being the people's favourite. This guy is up there too. And another one, he finished fourth at the PGA Championship last week. His first major appearance very impressive play, especially on the greens from Harry Higgs.
0: Yeah, I love this guy just because he looks like Mister Everyone, <laughs> Diane. And I saw he tweeted Phil Mickelson last night, say, "Hey, buddy, how about we play a practice round next year at Augusta?" Considering Harry Higgs probably yesterday qualified for Augusta, maybe he's at top five. He gets in Augusta from the PGA anyway. Harry Higgs is going to Augusta by his tweet. But he's lost about 20 pounds, Diane. Uh, I saw that. He slimmed up a little bit. But when you handicap golf, Diane, we've got to ride someone that just played the hardest course probably on the tour in the last couple of years. He's going to arrive in uh, Fort Worth with a ton of confidence, probably sealed off his tour card for the year. And what will Harry Higgs do this week? Well, he'll probably get himself in the top 10 again if not maybe knock off that uh, plaid jacket or think about Harry Higgs with that plaid jacket with those big glasses dying now that'll be something
2: (laughs) that would be very cool he did play great and um, he's entertaining to watch too I couldn't believe that the PGA was his first major and to, to say, you know, we always talk about the fact that these performances in majors just mean so much. And to finish in a tie for fourth in his first one, the confidence that he takes from that. Plus the fact, looking at his numbers, he's 12th on the whole PGA Tour for putting average. So it's an amazing stat.
0: Well, you wouldn't know this, but when guys lose 20 pounds, Diane, they think they're even sexier than Harry Higgs. Everyone talks about Harry Higgs being sexy, so think how sexy he feels. So he is just going to be walking down the fairways at the Colonial.
2: Well, just to know, this is you talking about Harry Higgs being sexy, not me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm talking about everyone. I'm talking about him talking about him. Okay,
2: okay. (laughs) Right, so our three sizzlers this week, Patton, Kazire, Matthew, Neesmith, and Harry Higgs. Right, Elk, we know that you're going to Colonial this week. You're gonna spend time with the guys, catch up with the Secret Golf team. Are you looking forward to it?
0: I will, and you know, maybe we should schedule something tomorrow where uh, I get on my cell phone and give you the updates of what's going on up there
2: right well have a great time when's the last time you actually attended a pga tour event a long time ago was
0: with you at yeah the, the players, players championship covid on, the, on that on
2: that week that fateful <laughs> that fateful week <laughs> right well we will uh, we'll definitely hear from you about your time at the colonial enjoy it thank you well now we're on to the final part of the show and it's the dark horse picks this week around colonial country club the guys with the high odds who's gonna go out there and do it for us jay kaplan is here and hey well where do i start last week for the pga you'd picked matt jones who got off to an incredible start on thursday but we got very carried away and we were texting about it we put it on our secret golf twitter and <laughs> It didn't work out so great for Matt Jones. However, your second pick was Charlie Hoffman, who finished in a tie for 17th.
1: Well, I don't know how to feel about this week. The whole thing was a whirlwind of emotions. First of all, I'm 50 years old. So the fact that the winner was 50 years old is a testament to us 50-year-olds out there. We're not just new AARP members but we can actually stripe it and walk away with hardware. On the flip side, um, I think five holes in, I sent you a text that Matt Jones was five under and I was like, I'm going to win this thing and I'm going to be the 50 year old hoisting the trophy this week. And then not 22 minutes later, he was two over. Yeah. I I mean, he literally, and I think what's happened is you and I talking junk to one another caused him to play obviously we have an impact on the way the un- the golf universe works so matt jones i know you're out there watching because we're big fans here sorry dude maybe <laughs> next 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 week or next year or whatever and then charlie hoffman's been playing great golf mm-hmm. for uh, a good solid month he finished second at Valero He's and actually at finished T17, he actually fell away the last four holes. Yeah. So I I would have liked to see him finish a little bit higher, but he did hook us up. So thanks, Chuck.
2: Yep. And uh, I think Charlie Hoffman and Matt Jones are definitely two names to look out for this week. However, they are not our dark horses. By the way, mine last week was Ian Poulter, who did make the cut and ended up finishing like 30th, maybe? Yeah, I'm
1: sure. Yeah, I'm sure by him making the cut, he ran out and bought a new Ferrari to celebrate. I'm sure he's <laughs> ecstatic.
2: Okay, well, we have three dark horse picks. I have one, and you have two. I'm gonna start with mine this week, actually, only because. Sometimes um, I have to change up my strategy and just go with the name that jumps out and today everything is telling me to go for the 2015 champion of this event Chris Kirk. Now I've got a lot of reasoning as to why. First of all I mean duh he's won on the course before so we always rank that highly. He's had four top tens this year which, if I were to ask you like how many top 10s you think Chris Kirk has had in 2021, I'm guessing you would not say four. He played really good at the Players' Championship as well, but the Sony Open, he finished runner-up. And um, that was a big one for him because he was on a medical exemption. And I think he had a certain number of starts and he had to finish that week. I think second. I think he had to either finish second or win to keep his card and he did. So performing under pressure, I mean he got it done when he had to get it done. His other top tens, well one at the RBC Heritage and one at the Valero Texas Open. So played well in Texas not too long ago. His numbers are pretty good too. I mean he's green across the board, no big scary numbers and he's 125 to one. So my dark horse this week is Chris Kirk.
1: I think you may have, um, it's almost so obvious that you should take them and that sometimes we stay away from guys like that. But one of the first things we do when like you and I are talking about dark horses, like has the guy won here or how does he play here? The guy's a winner. Um, So I'm not going to be surprised if you're successful this week. And I'm proud of that you didn't that with your heart it's yeah. very unlike you
2: okay cool right well let's move on to yours you've got two names for us this week
1: I do have two names and I have this trend that I like to stick to and I'm going to do it this week uh, I usually pick a dark horse that's a veteran um, mid-30s late 30s early 40s uh, why because they're seasoned mm-hmm. they look like they're seasoned sometimes you look at their PGA Tour profile picture and they look tired and worn. This guy's PGA Tour picture looks like he'd like to send a right hook across your chops if you mess with him. Why do I bring this up? Because this guy's a fighter. He's from Worcester, Massachusetts, which is the home of the great Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Rest in peace, Marvelous Marvin. Do you know who that is, Diane? No idea. Yeah, he was one of the great middleweights of all time. This guy is a middleweight on the PGA tour. Um, he finished third in a T3 and his last downing at the Byron Nelson shot 63 on a Saturday, finished up with a 66. So I feel like he's got good Texas vibes coming in to this week. Uh his Achilles heel is off the tee. It's at 132. He's gonna be less with the driver this week. So I'm hoping. That accuracy level will pick up a little bit. Uh, Scrambling, he's fourth on the PGA Tour. So if he does miss a green, I think he's going to be able to recover. And his front nine scoring average, which is where the difficulty lies at Colonial, he comes in a very uh, respectable 34th. He's also won three times on the PGA Tour. So he knows how to get it done. My first dark horse of the week. Is the stone-faced Scott Stallings?
2: Oh, okay then. Then there's—he's been playing good. He's been playing really well. Mm-hmm. So uh, immediately when I saw the names, I thought, "Good pick in Scott Stallings." What? How? What's Appreciate. he odds-wise again? Scott Stallings
1: is coming in at. Oh, hold on, let me say this again. Oh, this better be Scott Stal- yeah, Scott Stallings is coming in at 110 to 1 in okay. Vegas. So pretty good odds for a guy that is feeling good about himself and is feeling good playing in the state of Texas.
2: Okay. Good. Scott Stallings okay. is your first one. Who's your second?
1: My second one is coming in at 250 to 1. so he's a darker dark horse this week. And one thing I really like about this guy ranks third off the tee with driving accuracy on the entire PGA tour. That's a huge statistic. So he's going to be uh, off to a good start on almost every hole this week. This is another former winner. This is another guy about late thirties, 38 years old. So he's been through trials and tribulations on tour. I think he's going to be motivated by what he saw over the weekend from Phil Mickelson. Um, He's actually been playing decent golf uh, for him. Uh, Midfield finishes in his last two. Um, His Achilles heel is going to be ball striking, which there is an emphasis on ball striking. So I'm not, when I looked at him, I was like, "Eh, can he overcome it? I'm going to say yes. Yes. Again, 250 to one in Vegas. My second dark horse pick is Brian Stewart.
2: Okay, I like it. I think Brian Stewart could be a good dark horse pick week after week because he's um, consistently there and he'll have a hot round to really jump up. And it's just keeping that momentum going over the four days. But he's like one of these quiet stalwarts on the PGA Tour week after week. So um, I like it. I'm going for Chris Kirk. You have... Scott Stallings and Brian Stewart. Good. I feel confident about our picks all in all this week.
1: I feel good. You know, last week we had a good weekend and uh, uh, I thought we finished well. And now we're starting to get our mojo back. And I, I told you and I told all my mega fans out there that I went to Hawaii to find myself I have found myself and I'm ready to keep it going this week.
2: Okay. And we, uh, you know, it's great to have Elk's insight into colonial. Next week, we have another iconic course. in Well, it's Memorial, Jack's Place at Muirfield Village. Again, another course that we know well. Elk knows exceptionally well. So we will be back with our tour report then. Good luck this week.